Thank you so much for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Get on social media. Find us on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. On Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. We're on all sorts of podcasting platforms from Google to iTunes, iHeartRadio, to Spotify. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it. We're also on YouTube, so you can see the video edition. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it if you believe in it. And no matter what, show some appreciation today, every day, because someone is always rooting you on. This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustling. Are you fed up with the dieting and a seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that is empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustling.com. That's www.healthyandhustling, spelled out H-U-S-T-L-I-N.com. When was the last time you were inspired? How did it make you feel? Where did it lead you? For me, is a simple picture post on Instagram that piqued my curiosity. So I reached out to the poster of the picture. Reaching out led me to meet a Desert Storm veteran. He spent 11 years in the United States Air Force, seven seasons United States Armed Forces Rugby Team, and 20 more years with the Oklahoma City Police Department. He's now part of a coaching staff. He's the new community coordinator at Athlete Inc. My wife and I actually dropped into a few of the hit classes at Athlete Inc. It's a human performance training facility created for athletes by athletes. Give them a visit, athleteinc.life. That's athleteinc.life. Sign up for a few of the drop-in classes. You won't regret it from the staff to the owner to the members. Everyone is amazing, everyone is helpful, everyone is friendly. Before we dive into this podcast, Shannon McCarty, thank you so much for your strong courage to defend our great country. I appreciate you, I appreciate your encouragement, your smile, and your enthusiasm from the first time we met to current day, which has been about six months. I look forward to our friendship the bond that gets stronger each time we share a text, each time we share Instagram posts, just each time I get to see you and we give that bro hug. I love you, man. Welcome back to Defining Moments Podcast. My name is Wong Lam, and today's special guest is my man, Shannon McCarty. Shannon, welcome to the podcast, brother, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks Absolutely. For, thanks, thanks for having me. For sure, man. First of all, dude, Thank you so much for your selfless sacrifice to our great country. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 11 years in the Air Force, 
20 years Oklahoma State Police Department, and that includes stints with the FBI task force, DEA task force, undercover. You've played rugby. I feel unaccomplished, and <laughs> I'm just feel so honored and privileged to be sitting in the same room with you today. Likewise. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Likewise. A few months ago, I don't know if you recall this, but on Instagram, this is how we met. I saw a picture that you've taken of four gentlemen sitting there. They had the stoic look. And mm-hmm. I love that picture because I Instagrammed you and I say, hey, that picture tells a story. Their, their facial body language, you know, t- tells a story. Right, and so right. you told me about the VA, et cetera. And so I was like, man, this is really cool. One message led to another. And ever since then, we've had coffee yep. just about every other week and yep. shared really great stories. So that's I appreciate great, the friendship. This no problem. Friendship. No problem. Some great conversations, yeah. which is hard to come by. Yeah, that, that's yep. very true, man. So, yep. so how are you doing today? Good, man. Feel good. Uh, just, had, just had a workout, you know, an athlete inc. And uh, feel great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just blessed. Yeah, you talk about Athlete Inc. So is this a gym where anyone can go to, or what is what's what's Athlete Inc.? Yeah, it's a gym anybody can go to. It's a um, membership uh-huh. gym. You pay monthly fees. A uh, little higher than, um, say, a, a Globo gym. Mm-hmm. A little cheaper than CrossFit, but it's an outstanding place. I mean, you train. They train everybody from uh, everyday people like me to elite college athletes to uh, professional football and baseball players. Yeah, yeah. So when you go through this in the morning, you, you talk about everyday people like you. You're probably, in my opinion, you're more unique than me. I'm the everyday person. So <laughs> how would I stand if I go to that gym? Then you do well. I yeah. mean, I mean, the, I mean, the reps add up. The reps burn me as well as they do you, as well as they do that NFL guy that comes in there. Yeah. You know, burn is burn. Lactic acid burn is lactic acid burn. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and everybody, everybody's treated the same. I like it, man. I mean, you'll be post-workout. We sit around and talk and, you know, and chop it up. And it's me. It's you. It's this, it's this you know, Super Bowl champion. Yeah. You know, uh, pro, pro Bowl football player. Yeah. And we're just talking about life. That's awesome, man. And, and you would never know unless, you, unless, you're an, unless you're a fan of, unless you're an, um, um, fan of athletics. Yeah. You would never know who he is unless, unless they told you. Yeah. So there's, there's no arrogance. No, I'm over here and you're over there. It's all, everybody's the same. That's phenomenal, man. Yep, I love that. Yep, so that yep. I could walk in and I could work out with a guy like you, guys in the NFL, MLB, yep. basketball, mm-hmm. collegiately and housewives probably. Yep, yep. Just hanging out, just yep. working out. You know, and like I said, unless, you, unless you're a sports fan, you wouldn't know who half these guys were. Yeah. You, you know they're strong and they're fast. Right. But unless, you know, somebody will say, hey, that's so-and-so. You know, you Google and whatever. But yeah, yeah. That's him. <laughs> or her. Yeah. Because there's some elite female athletes to go there also. Yeah. yeah. So, and so it's, it's a great place. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about enjoying life. How do you, how does Shannon enjoy life, man? Man, I get up in the morning uh, early. I'm a hopeless early bird. Yeah. I'm up, I'm up and out of bed at 4.35 o'clock every day. Wow. And uh, I get up, you know, I, I go straight to the kitchen. I turn on the water, boil it, put it in my French press. Yeah. Three tablespoons of coffee. <laughs> four four minutes later, I press it. Have a cup of coffee. I turn on the, my morning news. Got several news podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I uh, get dressed, head out the door. You know, and I'm working on a I'm working on a memoir. Mm-hmm. And I go to the uh, nearest coffee house, and I sit down and I type for a couple hours. Wow. So that's what I do. I'm just still lucky to be able to do that. You know, yeah. And set my own kind of my own schedule every day. Yeah. So. Man, sounds good. Yep. Yeah. 
Love it, man. I mean, I'm like I said, I just feel blessed to, to be at a point in my life to where I, where I can do that. Yeah. And not and not have to go to work if I, you know, choose not to. Yeah. So, when you talk about life, do you ever think back through your life and think about moments that might have changed you, might have molded you to a to where you are today? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. What's well, a if you don't mind sharing with our listeners, what what might be a moment or two? I call them defining moments that the, you've gone through. The earliest one in my life is a uh, teenager. You know, I'm from Hugo, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom and dad, my mom, mom and dad separated. And my mom and I moved to uh, El Paso, Texas to live with my aunt. And uh, and so El Paso was the home of uh, Fort, Fort, Bliss, uh, Fort Bliss Army Post, mm-hmm. huge Army Post. And uh, at that point, I had never been around military guys other than I seen them on TV. Yeah. You know, there's no military presence in my hometown. So, um, so we're out one day in the mall, you know, food court, and uh, we're eating them. Some of my, my buddies, you know, my cousins and my buddies are eating. We're teenagers. We look over, next table over, it was these about four or five uh, young Army guys, and, you know, BDUs. And so we talked, and, and they looked very young. Mm-hmm. My perception of military guys are always old. I, I, I've got some Vietnam vet uncles, but they're my uncles, so I figured that you have to be like that age to be in the Army. Yeah. So I've leaned over and said, hey, you know, you guys in the army? Yeah. How old are you? Well, one one said I'm 18, 19. I'm like, well, I'm I'm 17. Yeah. So you join the army at 18? He said, yeah. Actually, you can join it. Join at 17. Mm-hmm. I said, huh? I think I'm joining the military. Yeah. <laughs> at that moment, the light came on. I think that's 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 what I want to do. Wow. So, so a few days later, I go back to school, and uh, we're in the lunchroom, and in walks this young Air Force, wearing a blue uniform, blue shirt, dark blue pants. Air Force recruiter, you know, and so he comes to our table and sits with us. So I was talking to us, a real sharp, young Hispanic guy. And I'm like, man, you must be in the Air Force. You know, so yeah, and this is literally the first person in the Air Force I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I think I'm going to join the Air Force instead of the Army. Because <laughs> yeah. this guy came to our table and was talking to us, Yeah, gave me a card and went to the recruiting office and uh, went through all the tests and everything, took the test, passed, and uh, got into the Air Force. Wow. So, and that was literally seeing those young Army guys at the table next to us is, is literally when the light came on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, and that was, and this, the rest is history. Wow. Yep. Did you do any research after you committed? It's like, yeah, I'm going to join the Air Force. The only research that I did, they showed us some cool videos of some guys in the Air Force of, you know, of some guys wearing, wearing, wearing berets and shooting guns and yeah. parachuting. I said, like, yeah, I, you know, I, want, I want to do that. <laughs> He's like, you sure? I was like, oh, I'm positive. That's, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, had some further testing, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that and qualified for it and, that's what I did. Yeah. So, and uh, and I and I and it was as thrilling after going through the training as it was watching that video. I mean, it was like a, you know, I was probably I was that kid that, you know, that type of thing just you know it appealed to me. Yeah. And I was an athletic kid. Yeah. So I I didn't really have any problems with the athleticism, you know, the running, the physical training, the pull ups, the push ups. So to me, I was just like like living a dream. Literally, I'm in. I was wanting to be in the military. And here I am in the military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, and I had a great time in the military. I had no complaints about being in the military. Yeah. So when, when you first started and joined the Air Force, you had to go through some type of physical training, Hell Week, something like that. When you went through those type of trainings, were you thinking, dude, man, I don't know if I made the right decision? Yeah, there were some times where I wondered, <laughs> you know, literally, like, what, what have I got myself into? And because I went to basic training, seemed to be kind of kind of a shock, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I adjusted to it, graduated basic training. I went to, went to tech school, and that's when it got, as they say, it, it got real. Yeah. It was not basic training, way more intense, 
way more push-ups, way less sleep. And I, there were certain times that if I had not been around, there was times that we, you know, you, when you're on the PT pack and you look over and, and the other guy might be shitting a tear or something. Oh, man. Or you see guys or you hear guys like kind of like, kind of like, I don't know, like sobbing like during, when we're in, in the dorms at night. Mm-hmm. And and I just like, and I was, at some point, you know, I feel like, I, well, I, I think I'm going to find something easier to do. I'm going to do something different. And I had a guy on my, uh, in my class, an older guy. He came from the regular Air Force. He had been in the Air for about 10 years. I'm like, man, I think I can't. I'm thinking I'm done with this, man. I can find something, something better to do. Yeah. And he was like, man, just don't quit. Is this what you want to do? I was like, oh, yeah. So he goes, just don't quit, man. You don't, you're doing good. Just don't quit. You know, so and so it was a guy in my flight, you know, which is like you like your class, mm-hmm. that literally like one conversation with him and like walking down the hall is yeah. what kept me from like quitting and trying to do something else or, or even going home. Going, yeah. You know, because I was considering quitting at one point because yeah. it was it was getting a little overwhelmed. I'm <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. So but he's like, just don't quit, man. You're doing well. You're, we're almost done. So this is a two weekend doc, man. Yeah, it's two weeks. Just we're almost this is like week seven or something. Just. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just don't quit. Yeah. And so I, so I stuck it out. And it wasn't for him that I probably would quit. Wow. So, what was the feeling like once you made it to those two weeks? Felt great. Felt great. Um, um, felt like I accomplished. Felt like literally, like I found out that I had been like l- literally living in the comfort zone probably my whole life. Even mm-hmm. though I played football, yeah. I was always a pretty good athlete. So even the football training we went through was difficult. Yeah. But I never felt like I wanted to quit. Yeah. So looking back at my and now, even looking back then, what what happened was I got pushed way out of my comfort zone. Yeah, and I saw what it was like the the reward of sticking it out and not quitting. So it felt good. It's even not even now it still feels good. Yeah. So and that was I was eight, eighteen then. Man. So oh yeah, I'm glad. I'm literally glad I still did it to, to this day. Yeah. So, and, and that was that was my first um, four way. Mm-hmm. You know my my first trip outside my, my comfort zone yeah in my life <laughs> ever. wow yeah so yeah because we we live in for lack of a better phrase we but we i, I believe we all live in a certain box mm-hmm. a certain zone that we mm-hmm. are all in and every time when we meet up and we have this coffee and i feel great energy and you mm-hmm. called it the energy exchange right which right. i've mm-hmm. adopted i'm like man that is such a great phrase is the exchange of energy. What kind of energy are you exchanging, and do you like it or not? Right. It's got to be positive. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have the, or you have the uh, choice to not not participate in it if it's mm-hmm. negative. You. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. I feel like we, this person we're just doing this. Yeah. Like the little internet, the little computer deal. When you see the two arrows <laughs> when the when your when your phone is getting service, yeah. that's literally what it is. Yeah. To, at least that's how it feels to me. Yeah. So. How do you deal with negative energy when let's say let's take it to the Air Force? Was there negative energy with maybe some of your uh, colleagues or some men in your group? Yeah, I mean, you have personality conflicts. I mean, you got a lot of young guys mm-hmm. from all over the place. Right. So the negative energy comes from just um, it can come in terms of racial issues. Mm-hmm. It can come in terms of economic issues. And some of the guys come from you know pretty poor kids. Right. Like I was, and some of it, some of these guys come from pretty affluent families, mm-hmm. and so you get young, eighteen, nineteen year old guys living in barracks, type A guys living in the barracks. That energy exchange can get pretty, pretty, pretty uh, volatile. Yeah, shoot, I mean, it, it, you know, it'll come out over politics on the TV, yeah. sports, <laughs> girls, or what yeah. have you. And so when I, when I dealt with it back back then was I didn't really deal with it very well. 
So you usually end up in some kind of like altercation, a fist fight or something. You end up in front of the man getting yelled at in front of the force sergeant getting yelled at. Um, as I got older, I became an NCO, which is a non-commissioned officer. Then I learned to deal with it in a more appropriate way, yeah. which is like, you know, you got to work it out, talk it out or whatever. But early on, it, it, it always revolved into a fist fight or almost almost a fist fight. Yeah. That's just that's just the way up in that point in my life, that's just the way I was as a teenager that I dealt with, you know. With boys in school, you got a problem with a guy, you meet, you meet him behind the bleachers. Yeah. You bring, and you bring where you're from to where you're at, to the military. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and that's what we did. So we, 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 we go out to this little area behind our unit. It was literally like a field that had these big weeds. And there was a lot, so I used lawnmower and cut a big square out of it. Mm. And you couldn't see what was out there because the weeds were taller than the people. And we, we, we put, put these big, big, old, big gloves on and one of the squad leaders would come out and say, all right, you know, and you were in a helmet and this big big um, Vietnam area flak, flak vest and you go at it and these levels are so big, you can't possibly really hurt each other. And you would just go at it and wrestle and throw blows until both people are winded. Yeah. And once they're winded, you stand up and, you, and, and you'd hear something like, all right, you guys done with this? We're done with it? I don't, I don't hear no more about this. Let, let's, <laughs> let, let's go back to work. And that yeah. was usually it. You know, th those days have changed in the military. That's, that's probably not, not ex acceptable way of solving problems in the military yeah. today. But back then, that's what we, that's, that was the deal. It was the tail, tail end of the Vietnam era. Mm -hmm. And so our command and our supervision were all Vietnam guys. Yeah. And that's what they did, did during those times. So it, it was acceptable. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure not so much anymore. Yeah. Now I just deal with negative energy. Just, you know, if, if, I, if the person is a re relative or a family or a friend, I try to t help them out. Yeah. If they're a stranger or somebody that I don't feel like I need to spend my time dealing with, I just kind of avoid them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What happens when, let's say it's obviously 2019 and you're on social media, and all of a sudden you you gain a few followers, they befriend you, you befriend them, and then all of a sudden you start noticing, hey, their tweets or their posts are becoming more divisive, negative. And now let's not talk about politics or racial but they just become man my day sucks or i hate this i hate that what do you do how do you deal with that in in that case if it's not if it's not a situation where they're insulting people or calling names i, I might engage them and say man what's going on or yeah just fight through it or you know man you gotta you know i mean i, I might even engage them in their inbox hey what's going on man you yeah. know you want to talk about it what's you know and if they and if they re react to that in a positive way then I'll, I'll keep engaging them. Hey, you know, I, I suggest you try this. I suggest you try that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should go here, talk to this person or that person. And But if they engage, if they lash out, and, and, and if they're a stranger, the, then they get cut. Yeah. But if they respond, like, hey, man, thanks for your input. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can you can continue to put, to put that on my page as long as you respond to people's help in a positive way. Yeah. Don't start talking trash to them because they're trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And we're not put, are we going? I'm just going to block you because we don't we don't have to put up put up with that. But if you respond to it, you know you know help in a mm -hmm. positive way, then we'll continue to talk to you and yeah. engage you and help. But if you start talking trash to everybody, then you're cut. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How uh, how often do you think back to the one gentleman that told you not to quit when you're in the Air Force, and do you think that's helped you? To this point on oh, yeah. your energy and your positive attitude. Oh yeah, the, he that uh, that's the first person, other than my father. You know, when you're a kid and you're out playing somewhere and you're in school and you get bullied a little bit, and you yeah. come home and your dad, you you don't, you don't have to go back there and deal with that with that problem. Yeah, 
other than that, and my dad, and that issue with my dad wasn't really an issue about quitting. It was like dealing with dealing with bullies and dealing with life. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to school. He go, you got you got to go to school. Yeah, he look around. Don't don't tell your mom I told you this. But when you go to school, it's like you have to deal with that because you got to go to school. Yeah, and everybody's watching. You know, he's got to bully you. Everyone's gonna bully you. So this is how I want you to deal with that. Yeah. So I did that, and so um, so that was the first. But other, but this guy was the first person that that gave me any kind of encouragement similar to that. You know, after I left home. Yeah. And it was wasn't it real. It was just like, man, just don't quit. You know, hand on the shoulder. Don't quit, man. You man, you're doing good. You're doing well, man. I don't know why you want to quit. I mean. Everybody's in pain. Yeah. We're all suffering. It's not just you. So, you know, just stick with, stick it out, man. You and I think you'll be happy if you do. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, the, the guy lived lived was a whole different squad. So I never seen him except going going outside. Yeah. You know, and he just we happened to meet and just like fate. Yeah. Because if he had not been there that day, I, I wouldn't have this part of my <laughs> history of my life been in the military. Yeah, absolutely. So and he and he he had been in the military for like ten years already. Wow, and, and he he was retraining in, in, to, into this career field, so he so he he had life experience. He's already an E five, so he, he already had stripes, mm-hmm. you know. So he had been in the military for a while, so he had life experience. And he just told me just 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 don't give up. Yeah, and you don't. And he goes, I don't know why you want to give up because you're doing well. But looking back, you know, it's just I was just outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I never been physically and psychologically tested to the point that I feel like I wanted to quit. Yeah. Until that, because even football and, and anything, I never felt like I wanted to quit. Yeah. But that that was every that was days in a row where I was like, man, I got to find a way, find a, a way to quit. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? Kidding. You know. And he was like, just don't do it, man. Just just you're doing well. Everybody's suffering. Yeah. Everybody here is feeling the same pain you are. <laughs> yeah. So, just just he said, quote, just just write it out. Yeah. And that's what I did, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. So. Wow. And and then you deployed and. You're a Desert Storm veteran. Mm-hmm. How was that deployment like for you? What did what did it feel like going there, staying there, and then and coming back to the United States? I think the hardest part about that first deployment was because I was married at that time and I had kids. Mm-hmm. I think my first deployment, you know, my daughter was like I want to say like nine months old, maybe. Wow. So I'd be away from, away from from my then wife, now ex wife, uh-huh. and kids. So that was the hard part. You know, the the deployment was what we all trained for. So it was, just, it was just doing our job, but just over here. So I mean, but like, probably like most guys, the hardest part was about was, was being away from my, you know, freshly married, yeah, new kid. That that was the hard part. Yeah. So, and I was twenty two, maybe out, and I was young also. Still, yeah. I mean, you don't get life experience till you get certain age. I was yeah. twenty one is not really a lot, a lot of life experience. Right. So I was young. So it was hard just being away from my family. Yeah. And back then there was no internet, no Facebook, so you you had to call with, with these MCI calling cards. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, so it wasn't yeah. no, you couldn't FaceTime your family back then. Right. It was a letter, or they gave you a free call like every week or something. Mm-hmm. So it was tough though, man, just being away from the family. But uh, as far as work and doing the job, it was, you know, you know, the work was work, so it wasn't an issue. I mean, I was trained, I knew what to do. Mm-hmm. I knew very well trained, knew what to do. It wasn't an issue. The issue was just being away from my family. Yeah. So, wow. mm-hmm. did you do any when you're over there? Did you do any knock and talks with civilians over there? Um, basically, what we did, what we did, uh, my first deployment was uh, went to Riyadh, um, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and from there we deployed out to a few out to a few places in, into the desert. How long was your deployment? That first one was uh, six months. Okay. What's your longest deployment? Uh, about 10 months. 10 months. Yeah. Yep. What was the feeling when you came back to the United States and you got to step out of the plane? 
Do I know? The, the, when you came back mm -hmm. to the United States, what was the feeling like when you stepped out of that plane? Well, it felt great, man. I, again, it felt good to see your family again. Yeah. And just once you get that whole deal about getting used to being around your family again, the, the big deal is you feel like you went over and accomplished something. You know, you mm -hmm. feel like you're a, you know, you feel like you get, you get that, and you don't really get this feeling until you've been around, around like like civilians. Yeah. But then you get this feeling like you went over and you like like little you like like you like you went to war. Yeah. And now you're back, so you feel like a kind of like a not like a hero, but you feel you you don't feel you don't feel your sense of accomplishment until you talk to other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they're telling you how like like yeah, yeah man, you guys are cool. And he's like he's like yeah, I guess we are we are pretty cool, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Then you start putting it into, into perspective, mm -hmm. and then you start getting a more of a feel because otherwise you just feel like you're going to work mm -hmm. every day. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's literally what it is. Yeah. So, and then so from eleven years in the Air Force, you retired actually after twenty more years into the Oklahoma City Police Department. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like from military to you're also serving and protecting as well? Yeah, the military is a little. The police department is um, a tad bit different, you know, culturally and than than military. Not better or worse, just a little different, and. Um, it was, a little bit, it was a bit of a change. In, in the police department, the big adjustment was you learn to work um, like on your own. M military is big on supervision. You, know, you got like all these all these levels of supervision. I mean, you got like every you got like where where in the police department I might have one lieutenant yeah. between me and the lieutenant. In the military, yeah. there would be three lines of three lines of supervision between me and that lieutenant. Oh wow! So there in the police department, you're taught more to. Uh, to work on your own. Mm -hmm. So we give you all these reference material, all these statute books and city ordinance books. You know, you get to, you, you go on a call, you're expected to take care of that call without calling your supervisor. Mm -hmm. If you got a question, you call the most senior officer. You don't call the supervisor. Yeah. So that was a big adjustment because I was yeah. used to, hey, you know, hey, call your supervisor. The, the military is big on call your supervisor. But so that was, that was, that was the biggest adjustment. Yeah, and 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 then of course feeling sometimes you get backlash from the public, like you know you get cussed out or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's always a shocker when you get that first cursing, or you get somebody you know curse you out or call your name. It's like that's always a shock. But then after a while, you just get you get kind of numb to it. Yeah. So, man. So, as working with the police department, you had to deal obviously with a lot of the public, right? Right, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and nowadays on the news you see or I see and hear about altercations with police officers and uh, just the public in general. And I, I don't firmly believe that it's like that every day. It, it might be there are some cases out there. Mm -hmm. However, overall, I, I live in Moore and I see the police and they are the friendliest. Oklahoma mm -hmm. City police are, are the friendliest too. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like sometimes Unfortunately, it, we uh, people judge and say, "Well, the police." Well, when you say the police, you're saying everyone in the police, right? Right. Instead of just maybe a, a certain you know group or troop, right, of officers. And I think that's unfortunate that yeah, it is very, It's very unfortunate. So I always say the news and the media kind of like you know they um, pander to certain groups, mm. and uh, you know pay, uh, advocating for somebody is one thing. Right. But then there's a different definition of pandering is another. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's a lot of pandering going on, and they and they make things seem, they you know generally in the media you'll see the uh, the 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 loud minority makes people think that that's how that entire group feels, mm. because the majority is is kind of silent. Yeah. The regular, you know what I mean. So, and that's my opinion. Me and my girlfriend talk about that all the time. Yeah. 
And it's just like, you know, if you got people who are from outside a certain community and mm-hmm. in, in their in their perception of a community is what they see on TV, yeah. you they'll think that this whole group of people is mad at the police mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's not but it's not even close to being that way. Right. But the people who are who are the people who think who people who are just like um well you what's a good word? People who are like uh just cops or just like you just described are the majority of people. Yeah. But absolutely. those but 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 those people aren't on TV riding. Yeah. The people on TV riding rep or like like this many people mm-hmm. from that huge group. Yeah. And if so if, if you don't know that, then you'll think that everybody in that group thinks the way these people do. Yeah. Which is not true. Right. Right. So right. and the media doesn't do anything to to fix that mm-hmm. that little that that little um deficiency for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. So so and that's and that's just that's somewhat of opinion, but it's sort of you know when I've when I've noticed firsthand because you know we, if we're talking about that about the black community. Yeah, yeah, I worked over on the east side when I started started out. Worked over there for like two years. We had one problem. East side of Oklahoma City. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, which is pre, which is predominantly black side of town. Okay, never had one problem. Yeah, I mean you might I might ask people to curse me out, but it wasn't race. It was just because they didn't like you know people don't don't like being pulled over by the police. Mm. You go about your life. You go to work or school. You don't want somebody stopping you. Yeah, you know. You know, interrupting your day. Some people that irritates them. Mm-hmm. So you get that you, you you get that from them, and not really a race issue. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just. But some people some people believe that all black people on these side hate, hate, hate cops, and it ain't, it's just it's just it's just not true. Yeah. So I've never had an issue over there, race related issue on the east side. Wow. I never had anybody call me anything related to my race. That's as awesome. A police, man. As a police officer. Yeah. And, and it, it and it happens, but it happens. So few times versus when it doesn't happen mm-hmm. is 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 it's not really an issue. Yeah. So, but that one if it happens when it does happen, it's so uh, made such a big issue. Yeah. That people think that's how, that's how the whole community thinks, mm-hmm. but it's it's not like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I feel like that's really unfortunate that mm-hmm. it's a little half a percent that happens. Right. And overall, it gets blown up like, oh my gosh, it's a racial war out here. And, right. uh, yeah. I'm the same way. I've lived in Oklahoma 30 plus something years. And mm-hmm. you know, I've lived in Oklahoma City, lived in a war. Right. Right. I've never had anyone be racially disrespectful to right. me. Right, right. So. Now, don't get me wrong. Police officers do some dumb stuff. Oh, yeah. And we've seen it on TV. And when that <laughs> when that happens, the officers, I've been sitting in a lineup room full of 20 police officers. Mm-hmm. And we watch something on TV. Because usually we watch the news on before we have lineup. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, he's done. Oh, that's effed up. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's that, that's not what it's about. And you right. you, you don't hear anybody appro- approving of what they just saw on TV. Yeah. So we don't condone. We didn't con- condone nonsense and stupid stuff. Right. I mean, nobody n- nobody likes that. Yeah. That's not that's not what it's about. Right. Now that was a time maybe twenty years, thirty years ago that that, that was condoned. Mm-hmm. But times has changed, and that's not what it's about now. And I literally, you are sitting in a room with police officer and and hear that guy. They'll be like, you, you know, he's fired. He's he's probably going to jail. He yeah. he's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nobody, and just you know, around the room. And so nobody, we don't, we didn't con- con- condone, you know, um, misconduct. Right or lying or shooting people when they didn't need to be shot. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. that's 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 not con- that's not condoned within law enforcement at all. Yeah. Is that but they don't come and ask us those questions as a group. They just right. ask the you know other people that have other opinions about it. Yeah. You know, so but yeah, that's that's not condoned. I've sit and watched a lot of dumb police actions <laughs> on TV with other police officers, and everybody thought, oh, that guy's done. I mean, yeah. you even see guys like covering it, like yeah, 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 he's done. 
Right. He's not. Well, supervisors be, would be like, you guys better, better never do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This yeah. is a cop from another city. You guys better never do that or, yeah. or you'll be done too, just like him. So, you know. Yeah, as we evolve from, like you said, 20, 30 years ago to present day, the history is there. It's not there for us to erase it. It's there for us to learn and be better right. from it. And I right. feel like for the most part, as the United States or even as a world, we've become better because of history. Whether it's good or bad, we've learned from it and we've become better right. because yep. of it. Yep. Right? it w- I've always believed that we can separate politics from law and order. Mm-hmm. Then it'd be mu- it'd be much better off. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be more you you would get more m- more honest um, things fixed in yeah. a more honest manner if you if you separate politics from it. Yeah. So politics always makes things murky and mm-hmm. ambiguous. If you just separate politics from from crime and justice, the the the, the community and the police issues would would get fixed. Yeah. I mean, it would probably fix themselves. But politics just just keeps stokes the it stokes whatever <laughs> issue that group. <laughs> Is against, or, or yeah. you know, so just you know, so, and it's all, and to me, it's all obvious. Yeah. So, yeah, too much emotion and mm-hmm. not enough logic. Right, right. right? Think things through logically, rationally, and what a better world for it if we do it. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so transitioning from armed air force or air force mm-hmm. to being in the Oklahoma City Police Department and retiring. And while you're in there, you work with the DEA and the FBI task force. Right. What was, let's say, one of the hardest um, things you had to do working with either of those federal agencies? I can tell you from when I was a vice officer, which we worked um, prostitution, strip clubs, child prostitution, stuff like that, is when you deal with um, child prostitution. Mm. Cause you literally you'll you know you're going on a, on an undercover, yeah. And you're in a hotel room, and you've ordered you've ordered some escort from the off the internet, and in walks a obvious 14, 15 year old girl. Mm. You know what I mean? And those are you know obviously hard to deal with. I mean they're different. I mean it's not it's not like um, because you because you, you you're obviously not going to engage in any kind of sex act with her obviously right. or or, or you being am I going to jail? Well, I'll be in jail also if I did that. Yeah, yeah. But um. But you you see her walk in, and you see how seasoned she is, so which tells you that she's been doing it for a long time. Mm. Then you think about what she's done, as far as sex acts as a prostitute, and it's like so you make the case against her, and you arrest her, and then you talk to her, and then you yeah I've been in this for three years, four years, five years, whatever, and then you catch and then late, eventually you may or may not catch the pimp that sent her out there. Mm-hmm. And they're always hard to deal with because, you know, just morally, you know, you, you're always professional. So you can't like, you can't slap them around or anything. Yeah. But you talk to these guys and they casually tell you the how they uh, pulled some girl from Facebook or, you know, off the internet or whatever. And, or they're the same age and, and he started pimping her out in high school while he was also in high school. Oh man. And it, you know, and it's just crazy. And it's like, this is a 14 year old, 15 year old girl. Yeah. And, 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 and this, this could be a 17, 18 year old guy. Oh my God! Because they're they're schoolmates or classmates. They're in school, you know. So, child prostitution is always hard to do because they're kids. You know, yeah. nobody wants to see kids, you know, sexually taking taking advantage of yeah. like that. So, it's crazy. Yeah. How do you deal with that mentally, professionally, when you are the officer that's undercover doing this? You know, when they walk in the, in the undercover setting, once you if you believe that she's under she's underage because you're just looking at her, she's she's not going to tell you she's she's 14 
why she's being a prostitute. Yeah. You know, if I ask her that if she was 14 as a, say, as a John, she'd probably just leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a cop. Because no, no, nobody would ask her that. Would, yeah. ask, would ask her that. So if she looks to be underage, then you you you, you avoid the whole getting get nude part. Because if she's an adult, then, yeah. you, then you're, 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 you're allowed to get naked. If, mm-hmm. part, if she says get naked, then, then you get naked. But if she looks to be 14, she says get naked, you probably don't get naked. Because yeah. she, she looks like a, like, like a kid. Yeah. So you have to kind of like make the case against her in a like in a different way, you know, oh, and, okay. and you kind of prevent her from getting naked if you can, mm-hmm. you know. What mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they sometimes they're they're, they're going to get undressed, yeah. But you try to avoid that if all possible, yeah. especially if you if you believe if you look at this girl is fifteen or fourteen. Yeah. Sometimes you might get get a twenty one year old who looks fifteen, but if you if you think they're underage, then you then you should be trying to like not be nude and not kind of like not, you know, um, do anything. Getting, you know, you, you try you try to refrain from having from from, from talking lewd yeah. and yeah. Do, and getting naked around them because they're kids. Yeah. So, so even even if the under even if the contact continues, and you can verify she's underage somehow, then then you then you you, you just cut the you you cut the operation, yeah. and you just she's underage, so you just take her into protective custody. Yeah. And just call and and then you just you just send send her to DHS. Oh man. So because he's and once you find she's fourteen, then then you, then you you can. You could hold on to her, even if she doesn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Because she's a fourteen-year-old, and she's and she's here as a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So as a police officer, you just call DHS, take her into protective custody. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's no criminal charges, but she's off the streets. Yeah. So. Wow. Man, going from the armed forces to Oklahoma City Police Department and retiring, uh, what's been the toughest transition since retirement for you? Um, just having like like nothing to do, kind yeah. of a, kind of a started out for the first month. My days were like really unstructured. Like I was when I first part part was because I worked nights before I retired. Mm. Was to was to be able to sleep at night again. It took me about a month to be able to to go to bed at nine and sleep all night until five, you know, four or five in the morning. Got that down, so I I get up in the morning. I'd have coffee and I was literally just sitting in the house all day. Literally watch TV. Girlfriend go to work in the morning, come home. I'm still sitting there watching TV. Yeah. And even though I'm retired, I felt like a slug. You know what I mean? Because I've been going to work since I was 17. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started. You know, you know, I started. Um, you know, hanging out with old friends. I get up in the morning. I decided to, to to write this memoir. So I said, I'm gonna get up in the morning. I'm gonna leave the house and I'm gonna go write this memoir at Starbucks yeah. or at, a, at another buddy's uh smoothie shop up in Edmond. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have a a, a structured day. Yeah. Then I started volunteering. So once I started volunteering, that kind of like fed the the machine of getting up in the morning and look, going to work and doing something to, to help people rather than sit around the house and watch TV all day. Yeah. So, but that first month was tough because I would literally just, I would literally just walk around the house. Yeah. I go in the front porch, look around. Then I go to the back backyard and play with the dogs. Yeah. Then I come look at TV for a while. Then I go to the gym. <laughs> then I come home, take a shower. I wonder, I, I would literally just walk around the house. <laughs> yeah. With like with nothing to do, I said this can't continue. I, I I gotta find something to do. So I started looking at volunteer work. Then my buddy of mine said, "Hey, y'all, y'all volunteer at VA." Yeah, good idea. Went down there, got accepted, and I've been volunteering, and I love it. That's where that picture came yeah. from. Yeah. Yep. On VA. Instagram. Yep. At VA. That's yeah. the morning. I, I call those guys the, the, the morning crew. Yeah. Because every morning they show up and drink coffee together. Yeah. And it's a great group of guys. I will say I'm helping them. But they, they're probably, they're probably, they're, they're helping me. Yeah. So a great group of guys, a lot, lot of war stories, man. A lot yeah. of, just a lot of life. Cause they're all like way older than me. Mm-hmm. They're all like sixties and seventies. Some of yeah. them are eighties. Some, some of those guys are, are like 80 year old, like wow. K- K- Korean war vets. 
Oh my I mean, gosh. literally, you look at their paperwork, and their and their and their and their like service time is like nineteen seventy one to like nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy five or something. <laughs> literally, I mean, oh they some guys are that old, or you see them, or you see them at the uh, console putting in their getting their appointments, mm-hmm. and they'll hit their 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 birth year of like nineteen thirty two or something. Yeah, it's like that guy's born in thirty two. Wow. And you see Korean War, Vietnam, whatever Vietnam War, whatever. Yeah. So it's great, yeah. And they're and they're real, real talkative. They'll tell you war stories and just life. I mean, you get yeah. everything from them guys. Some of them are homeless. Some of them used to be homeless. Uh-huh. Some of them are pr- pr- pretty affluent, and they still come up every come up every day just to hang out. Wow. Yeah. There's one guy that's that's not. He's probably a millionaire. He comes up every day, buys everybody Starbucks, sits there and talks to everybody, and then, and then he goes home. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he, I was told by another one that that, that guy's pretty much wealthy. Wow. But he's a veteran. He comes up here, and hangs out with these guys. And then and buys everybody Starbucks and donuts and then, and then leaves every morning. Yeah. Yep. It's probably a unique yeah. bond. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Yep. They all think they all argue about which which military was the best, you know. <laughs> and they argue then they argue about politics and then they argue about sports. <laughs> and then they argue about which which person fought was was in the war the was in the hardest part of the war. Yeah. And then they go home. <laughs> every morning. Every morning. Yeah. So it gets loud. You have hey guys, got to keep it down. This this this, this is a hospital. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's pretty cool though. Man, you've had a really amazing life so far. If you had to go back and tell your younger self one thing, what do you think you tell your younger self? Um, just to, um, I probably I would probably say just calm down. Um, it's not all about me. You know what I mean? There's other people in the world. I was kind of impatient. They like to stand in line. Mm-hmm. Everybody was on the road. Was on the road was in my way. Yeah. So I would just con- con- consider others and just, uh, it's not all about me, consider other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's basically it. And just, and just be patient. Don't, you know, you can't do everything in, in one day, you know what I mean? Just calm down be, and be patient and, and, con- and consider other people. Yeah. So. Yeah. You seem like you know a lot of people and you talk to quite a few people. Mm-hmm. And it, actually you're an inspiration to a lot of people and to me for sure. I appreciate it. Who are three people you would love to call or meet in person if there's no social media involved? Three people. One would be my, my father who passed away a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And one, one, one would be the guy from my uh, training flight, which his name, name is Tim, Timothy Graham. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've lost track of him, but his name is Tim, Timothy Graham. He's the one that kept me from, from quitting during training. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third one would, would, would be probably my, my mom, because I remember coming close to my mom. Yeah, I was on the phone on the way up here. Yeah, and uh, and I talked to her every day. That's awesome. And she still, mom, hey, you need to make you drink water today. You don't, be, <laughs> don't 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 be driving fast. You know, make sure you leave on time. My mom is still thinks I'm I'm like 19 or something. You know what I mean? So, so uh, you know, it'd be them. And basically, my basically it'd be both my mom and dad and uh and, and Tim Graham. Yeah, because my parents parent parented me all to this day. My mom still does. And my dad did all the way till the end. Mm. My dad had no problems with, hey, son, you, you, you need to wash this truck. You put money for the truck, and you ain't always, because my, my dad doesn't understand the concept of having a dirty car. Yeah. You need to wash this car, and you, you, you need to cut that grass, you need to trim the trees in your backyard. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, all right, all right, Pop. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was parented, parented it very well, which I'm great, grateful for that. I love that. Yeah, my mom and dad, my mom is mom to this day, and my dad was 
dad until until, until the end. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you need to trim that beard. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't look neat, you know. I'm like, all right, dad. <laughs> That's so brilliant, man. I so, I, I like that. I yeah. I can resonate because you know my, I still talk to my parents every day, and my mom right. is still my mom. Yep. You know, um, did you bring your lunch? What did you have for lunch? You know. And, right. My dad's the same way. My dad actually talks about washing the car, keeping your car clean. Yep, yep. I remember growing up, my parents bought this house and more almost 20 something years ago. And instead of having people come out and spray for the weeds, mm-hmm. my brother and I would have to go out there every evening and pick weeds with my mm-hmm. parents. It's, mm-hmm. Thinking about it, it's like, man, it's almost like a bonding time. Right. right? Yep. And then we'd lay sod mm-hmm. in certain areas. And instead of getting a a presser to roll mm-hmm. then make a step and walk and yep. you have to flatten yep. it out yep. and hand water it yeah so yep. that's great man that's that's you know family is everything absolutely you know you always got to take the time especially when you get my age and your parents get older yeah. you really value time with them yeah i talk to my mom on the phone every day she'll call me if i don't call her <laughs> yesterday we, we we drove down to lawton to um to medicine park and hung out yeah went to the lake looked at the lake and just sit sit in the car and look at the lake and talk yeah. Me and my mom, you know, that's you know, because she's getting a little older now. So, make sure that now that I'm retired, I got a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I go pick her up, and, and, we, and we go do stuff, man. And uh, I'm just grateful that, that I had parents to teach me to, to you know, to, to make good decisions. So important. Yep. Because I mean, I mean, the diff- only difference between you and I, and these people that are homeless or out there doing wrong, is that th- is they made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're born the same. Yeah, thirty a guy your age, born the same day you were born, and you sitting here, and he's where he's at in prison or shelter. It's just you, 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 you made better decisions. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> he may he, he 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 may be as smart as you. Yeah, but he made better. You made better decisions. Yeah. So and that's yeah. it. And that's so I'm, I don't judge people look down on homeless guys. I'm like that guy. My dad said, "Them guys out there." That's a whole that's a whole lot of bad decision making. That's what he would tell me about mm. homeless people. Yeah. A lot of bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. Ain't no better than you. A lot of bad decisions. Right. That's the only difference. Yeah. So I learned to make the best decisions that I could. I made some bad ones, leave me wrong. I made some <laughs> terrible decisions. I ain't perfect. But I've learned, but I'm lucky enough to be able to have um made mostly good decisions mm. based on my parents teaching me the reasoning and how re- you know just having good common sense mm-hmm. make decent decisions but i made some horrific decisions before yeah. also so oh yeah so um but for the most part i think i've made mostly good decisions yeah and um and a lot of bad decisions yeah so lucky that it just wasn't anything criminal anything that's going to you know cost me costing me like my freedom or anything right but i've, but I've done some being a young gi stationed overseas where 18 where it's, it's legal to drink you imagine I, I made some dumb decisions. <laughs> so yeah, I made some stupid decisions that I'm lucky it didn't cost me my, you know, getting injured. Like I've gotten drunk in the club and, and rode, rode, rode home on a motorcycle mm. and, 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 and don't and don't remember. Ooh, you yeah, know, you fortunate. Know, dumb decisions. Yeah. But someone was looking out for me, so I'm still here. Yeah. I, I mean, literally got, got on the bike and rode about 10 miles. You know, you left the, left the club on, you know, on your bike. I did, yeah. Woke up next morning. Laying on my bed, wearing my jacket, my helmet, my gloves, and I knock on the door, open my eyes, and I still got the helmet on. I'm yeah. like, I go to the door, the door manager's like, hey man, you, you can't, you, that, that bike can't can't be here. I had to lean against the wall next to my room, next to my door. Oh, man. It was still um, running, but I guess it ran out of gas. Yeah. And the battery was dead. So I start, couldn't start it, so I pushed it out to the parking lot, and uh, and it was it was early in the morning, so you could see the 
trail through, through the grass. So I wrote it through the grass. Mm -hmm. Key was in it. I, I just literally leaned against the wall in neutral, went in, laid down, passed out. And, 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 it, and it ran out of gas. Wow. And, and when it ran out of gas, the battery died. Yeah. I'm lucky I didn't, I didn't die. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this was a 10 mile ride down the highway. Yeah. I, and I have no recollection of it. So that was, that was, uh, by defining moment, that that could be one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was, and I literally didn't drink after that for like five years. Yeah. Literally, I said, I ain't drinking ever again because I, I could have died. And I didn't drink any alcohol after that for like a good five years, literally. Oh, man. So, oh, yeah. Wow. So, yep. So, but, so, I'm, so I'm, I made some dumb decisions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's probably the dumbest one, the most dumbest one that could have cost me my life was that. So, I made some smaller ones that, you know, that wasn't too bad, but that one was a, yeah. That that was a doozy. Yeah. So <laughs> as I, as my parents were. So Wow. What what are a couple questions that you wish people would actually ask Shannon, but no one ever bothers to ask them? Um I don't know, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I wish people would ask me like, you know, I'm 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 very opinionated. So I wish, you know, when I'm out or something and people are out talking around me, I wish people would ask me like my opinion. So I'm kinda quiet. Yeah. So I'm so I can be in the room and nobody will like since I don't talk much people don't 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 see me there I guess so yeah. so so they, they don't ask me anything but I wish they would ask me my opinion about because I'm very opinionated about stuff so I have, mm -hmm. you know so just ask me ask, ask me what, what I think you know I I'll, I'll be glad to tell you mm -hmm. so so asking you just subject on before having a discussion about race. Right. Like, hey, Shannon, what's your what's your thoughts on racism or something right. like that? Yeah. Or what's your yeah. thoughts on politics or religion? Right. Right. Yeah, include you because if you're yeah. quiet, then no one's like, uh, yeah, they don't have Should I ask him this? Or <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm to the point where I would feel very comfortable mm -hmm. asking you about it. Right. Because I feel like you would give me a, a really good opinion, your opinion. Right. And I feel like it'd be very logical and and well thought out. Right, because I feel like you do a really good job of just listening to people. Oh yeah, yeah. I like to, I like to hear pe people's opinions and stories and stuff, man. Oh yeah, I'm like, yeah. I have no problem with. It. And sometimes I'm I have this, you know, no, I call it a normal face. Yeah, you know, which my my expressions of all of my ranges of emotions is the same face. Yeah. So people don't think I'm listening to them, but I hear everything people say. <laughs> I mean, it'll be twenty twenty years from now. I'll be able to tell you exactly everything you said on this podcast. Yeah, I went on a podcast thirty years ago with this guy named Wong, and he asked me, "Boom, boom, 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 yeah. boom." Now you look at it and tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you were right. You hit, you hit every time. So I, I, I'm a good listener. Yeah, I remember what what, what we talked about, and uh, so if people ask something to say, I'm willing to listen to them. Right on, man. If it's something that's you know off the wall that makes sense, I'll go along with it, hey. and I'm not going to insult you. So I, you, you, you're stupid. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But you'll probably get less listen time next time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to insult anybody. I'll be like, "Well, yeah, man, I gotta go. I, I, I gotta yeah. get out of here." You know, what I, mean? I heard I heard that story last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but if you got a good conversation, a good story about anything, I'm I'm always going to listen. That, that's how you learn. Listen, to people. Yeah, that's how you absolutely. learn stuff. So, so, mom. So, yeah, man, I'm a. I'm, I think I'm a pretty good listener. Yeah. When was the last time Shannon challenged himself with doing something he's never done before? What was the outcome and what did you learn from it? I'm currently challenging myself to write a memoir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not a, and in, in my years as a detective, my, my, my weak part, my biggest struggle was, was being organized and, and admin. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got it done, but it was like a deliberate, hard, focused effort. 
So now I'm trying to like self-pace myself and organize myself voluntarily without being forced by a supervisor to sit down every day and type X amount of words into a memoir. Yeah. And this is far out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Because I probably toiled at this for about a month and probably wrote one, probably wrote one paragraph. I'd be sitting at Starbucks typing, then I look at look at Facebook, mm. I look at Instagram, I go order some more coffee, or I meet somebody, talk to somebody else sitting beside me. Yeah. And then for you know, I know three hours went by, and I got th- this many words typed. Wow. So I'm, so now I'm so so I'm literally way out of my comfort zone in doing this, but I'm gonna stick with it because I think it, it it's a worthy project. Yeah. And it's it's just my new, you know, getting out of my comfort zone deal i want this and i think i got some pretty cool stories to tell yeah and i want to get them out there and the only way i'm gonna get them out there is doing myself mm-hmm. you know and i'm not gonna hire a ghost writer right. i'm not gonna do i'm gonna write them i'm gonna type everywhere myself yeah and so that's, that's that's what i'm doing yeah so and i make it important to type on it every day you know at least 500 to a thousand words every day if i can wow yeah that's yeah. impressive so i'm trying to yeah i mean i mean i've got it organized into you know a quarter and you know, every so many words every week. You know, Dark kind of get, gave me a little, little, little bit of help with that. He's like, don't ever leave anything open ended. You type a memoir, set an end date, and this is how you do it. And so I'm doing it that way. And I'm just like, there's times where I'm at parts of my story where it's cool. I'm, I'm like, Kah. yeah, yeah. And days, that's days. <laughs> I'm literally like, ah, this is painful. I'm, doing, I'm literally like one, one letter at a time. Yeah. Then I'll get to another cool part, some some cool undercover story. Then I get to some some lull. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. No, you know, I'll look at the news. I put music on or something. So it's it's going. It's steady, and it's like grinding mm-hmm. because it's not my my thing that I thought I would do. But I promised myself that I would do it when I retired. So I, you know, I, I never lie to myself or, or go back on my own promises to myself. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to get done. Yeah, and it's gonna be you know ho- hopefully published or whatever and see where it goes. But it's yeah. it's, it's gonna at least get done. That's awesome. That man. I promise. You. Yeah, I promise myself that it's gonna get done. Yeah. So, what uh, what's a one of your favorite habits since you retired? My favorite deal since I retired is I like I like I get up in the morning mm-hmm. and I don't feel rushed what to do. I get up in the morning and I just because I'm all about like I, I'm a morning person. Yeah. So and I like to have my alone time in the morning. Mm-hmm. So my favorite deal is to get up and just make coffee and then just watch TV and I get my my daily news information. And then uh, that's why that's my that hour alone time is my favorite part of the day. Yeah. Well, I'm not working on that memoir. Right. So it's like recreation. It's like you know podcasts. Yeah. News. It's like rec- it's, that's my hour. I like do what I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everything else that I'm doing, other than going to VA, I like going to VA. But as far as my, my daily routine, I really enjoy getting up for that hour and drinking coffee and having some recreational, whatever I want to do time, mm-hmm. which is listen to podcasts or I'll mm-hmm. listen to the news or something. Yeah. And so that's that's my favorite new habit of the day. Yeah. And I literally look forward to getting up in the morning to, to do that because my yeah. girlfriend goes to work at like four. Yeah. So she's out of the house. It's just me and the dogs and I'm just sitting there drinking coffee I, I, I mean I'm gonna smoke a cigar in the morning or something nice just uh, I'm, I, I got an hour to do whatever I want or an hour and a half to do whatever I want yeah. and I'm gonna do whatever I want she, you know that's what I do yeah and, and, and I enjoy it yeah I kind of get focused for what's coming up next in the day mm-hmm. so my favorite thing you know yeah mm-hmm. and you work out you look like you bench about 4 450 <laughs> what are you pushing now 
weight bench. I don't know. I haven't max bench pressed in a long time. It's probably been a few years. I would guess I could probably still bench about 325 maybe. Man. Maybe. I mean, it's not nearly what it used to be. Yeah. I, I'm actually squatting now what I used to bench in my 20s. Yeah. But I don't have no, no need to go back there and do that heavy weight anymore. But that was the weight that I squat now. Yeah. I used to bench that same way. Everything is down like 150 pounds from my prime, I guess. Mm-hmm. You say. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was just that lifestyle. The military guy, we all worked out and, you know, just that's what we did. Yeah. So you get strong or not, but if you want to be strong, we that group that I worked with, all we did was work out and, yeah. and eat, you know, 3,000 calorie meals from the chow hall yeah. <laughs> and just get bigger and bigger, you know, so. so. Do you feel like you... When you go work out at the gym at Athlete Inc., do you feel like more of a, a coach, motivator, you know, I'm going to help you get through this type of person? Sometimes I am. Yeah. And uh, some days it's the opposite. I mean, I work out with a lot of, a lot of athletic young people. Yeah. And uh, most days I find myself chasing them because mm. they're like much faster and younger than me and they're way more athletic than me. Every once in a while on some of the uh, hip workouts when we have a group workouts, and you get in with some of some of the housewives or some of the guys that ain't working in the well. Yeah. I'll find myself there, come on, man, we got one more round to go. Right. We can do it. For the most part, it's them yelling at me. Yeah. You know, come on, Shannon. And it's not yelling at me because I'm not motivated because I'm way slower than them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, they're done and I'm still chugging away at it. And they're like, come on, Shannon, go, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, and that's my 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 positivity group too. Mm-hmm. So we got I got that balance. I got my old guys that I talk to that are kind of like negative, you know, they got these live problems. These guys are all like college grad. They're all they're all like upward bound and, yeah. and positive, and so that's where I get that positive energy from. Yeah. So and just period, just in working out, talking to them. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, I'm just graduated college and I'm gonna be this big time, whatever. I'm like, and that's all. That's to me that's important for me to have because mm-hmm. I don't want to just hang out with just a bunch of negative guys my age. Yeah. <laughs> you know true. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's balance. Right. So and, right. and they all like to. They all often ask me questions about stuff, you know, like like life stuff, and you know, I'll, I'll yeah. tell them, you know, if I can, you know, I'll help them out if I can. Yeah. But for the most part, man, that's a real positive group. Mm-hmm. I, I go there for the workout and the positive energy mm-hmm. from just these young, you know, upward bound. You know, they're all going somewhere. Yeah. And they're real positive and motivated. Yeah. So, so that, that's what I like about it. Yeah. Yep. You like to read, and mm-hmm. you watch movies. I watch movies every once in a while. Right. Yep. Yep. So then, my question is. In your season of your life right now, what book, what chapter from a book or a scene from a movie best represents your life right now? Hmm. Well, one of my favorite movies, one of my top five favorite movies is mm-hmm. Tombstone. You know, White Wyatt Earp. Yeah. And there's that scene where they come into town, him and his brothers on the stagecoach, and they and they get off the stage and they look around, and they're trying to figure out what's next, where where they're gonna go in life, you know, and they're because they all retired from being law being police or sheriffs mm-hmm. or what have you and so and they have they have this this history of being these you know these law, law enforcement guys and that's like that's where i'm at I, nice. I'm, I, I'm i'm at the point to where they remember that point when they went into the to the saloon and the guy and he and they took the shotgun from the guy and all that yeah i think I'm, I'm i'm about right in midst of that little struggle right there yeah but it's positive though it's not a no, bad no, struggle. I get yeah. It, yeah yeah so i'm i'm, I'm off the stage coach Yep. I, I've, I've, I've looked around. Now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And we start, and I start plotting and planning my new life, and I feel like that's where I'm at now. Man, I love that. Yeah. You got the so, stagecoach. You're, you're looking around the town. 
who kind of help? How are we going to clean this thing up and right. bring everyone up? Yeah, bring everybody up. And, how, and, and then everybody and the sheriff, and, he, and he's keep getting all these offers mm-hmm. to be a cop. Yeah. No, I'm retired. Yeah. And I've gotten several offers by friends of mine that are police chiefs or even at the VA police, they find out they offer me, hey, we got some police officers opened up. Like, nope, done with police work. Yeah. So that's like, I feel like that's an ideal thing. That's, that's literally where I'm at because I'm literally getting offers to work security and police and wow. stuff. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I want to do something different. So I yeah. want to, so I think Wider came to town to do something different. He ended up opening up, up a saloon. Well, he was in numerous things. That's kind of mm-hmm. like where I feel like I'm at now. Yeah. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, and that's a great, that's one of my favorite movies. Wow. I've probably seen it about 20 times. Oh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. with you. That yep. and the Shawshank Redemption. Yep, that's another, yeah. <laughs> another real good one. That probably should be my top five one also. Yeah. So, yep, very that's good awesome, movie. That's man. Yep. yep. From the Air Force to OCPD, FBI, DEA, rugby, you contribute going to the VA hospital and hanging out with veterans and listening to their stories, sharing stories. Now, what, what are you most proud of in your life right now? My biggest pride now is um, both, both my adult kids are doing well. Yeah. You know, I feel like we, they're well raised, and I got a granddaughter. And I'm feeling like my son's my son and daughter-in-law have her going the right way at four yeah. years old. And uh, I just want to be like, you know, I always say the best thing we can do. Like my, after my dad died, I got a lot of thinking, and the best thing you can do for your for your late relatives is to, to remember them. Yeah. Just remember them. Stories about them, whatever. So I would like my granddaughter and my kids to like to remember me and remember me like in a positive way yeah when i'm gone and say hey look my dad used to tell me or my grandpa used to tell me this or tell me that or whatever and to share and i want to share my old life stories and police stories and military stories with i want them to to know about that like after i'm gone Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because because i know about my grandfather's past and i want my granddaughter and my kids to know about my my past in as much detail as possible Mm -hmm. like 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 after I'm gone, yeah. So, yeah, that's my biggest deal. I, I want to have a positive. I want my granddaughter and kids to have a positive m- memory about me and know about me after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So, I like that, man. Yep. Just remember me. Yeah. <laughs> I want my family to, to remember me. Yeah, that's it. So, yep. So you want them to remember you? How do you want them to remember you? As just as being like a hardworking, being honest, um, being a risk taker, and uh, just being you know courageous and brave and and doing doing the you know, you know, t- taking the uh, risks and doing the difficult things, mm-hmm. and not just being a kind of kind of idle and um, and a guy that's settled. Mm-hmm. I want to always do the best I can. Yeah, you know, I want to do the you know just just being just being a you know being a military person, a police officer, doing the right thing, being brave. You know, standing up for for weak people, weaker people. Yeah, you know, you know, giving helping people out. Because my parents, my grandparents helped a lot of people out. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to be known as just an just all-around positive guy and, and an inspiration. Yeah. So I'll say, my grandfather used to be a police officer, whatever, so I decided I might join the military also. That's so, awesome, some, man. You know, Something like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, just, just the way you, you choose to remember your grandparents, you know, yeah. like in a positive way. I so, love it, man. Yeah. What's the path forward for Shannon? I'm just going to keep hammering away on this uh, on this memoir. Keep volunteering at VA and uh, just keep helping people wherever I can. Yeah, I mean, if I can then I can pull somebody up, or if I can hold the door open, or give a recommendation or a referral or whatever to whoever I can do it, then, then I will. Beautiful man. Yeah, that's all I want to do. Just be, just help people whenever I can. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So no phone number. How do our listeners get in touch with you? Um, I'm on Facebook at uh, at, at at Shannon McCarty. My daughter's name Shannon McCarty. 
So you'll see the female. I, I'm not the female Shannon McCarty. I'm the male Shannon McCarty. Yeah. And on Facebook, on Instagram, it's at fresh underscore morning underscore coffee. Yeah. All lowercase. Yeah. Why why fresh morning coffee? Uh, that came up. That came up kind of like uh, I guess a good word for it is uh, organically. Okay. Uh, one morning I'm having coffee with with my daughter, and uh, and this morning it's morning, and she's on the phone with somebody talking on the phone. Ever Dylan, someone asked her what you're doing. She goes, I'm I'm having a uh, fresh morning coffee. Oh, okay. With my father, and I, and then so I, and then I took a picture of my coffee mm-hmm. and put fresh morning coffee, and that was probably that was probably ten years ago because she was wow. like in thinking still still even in high school then. That's awesome. And uh, and there's been fresh morning coffee ever since. I love it, man. And it just came up. She it just came up just. And this, and I've gotten. You can go back ten years on Facebook and see uh, Fresh Morning Coffee every from, from like from like two thousand nine or two thousand ten or something. Wow! Yeah, I love so, it, man. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time, your selfless sacrifice to our great country, Appreciate your it. service to our great country. This blossoming friendship. I've texted yes. you that m- numerous times. Yes, yes. This amazing I, energy exchange. Yeah, and I really, I really value that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean good, good conversation, man. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm all about it. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. We appreciate you, so you too, much, man. man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Last question. Shannon, do you approve this podcast? I'm Shannon McCarty, and I approve this podcast. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast. This yes, is so sir. awesome, man. Yes, sir. It's awesome, God. man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I'm a little nervous, but... Uh, yeah? I'm a little dry, but... I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at defmomentspod. That's at D-E-F moments pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.